Hey, Rock Church, man, it is so good to see you today. Man, I, I'm still fired up about what happened last weekend at our Easter services. I wanna give a big celebration for everybody who came, the lives that were changed, the baptisms that happened. We had a bunch of people serving from kids to coffee to tech to worship, wherever you might have served, front doors, parking lot, uh, this campus, our Ainer campus, Coastal, uh, South uh, Strand Campus, wherever you might have served from, thank you. What, what you did really helped people find what matters, and, and I appreciate that. So, so really excited about last weekend, but also fired up for this weekend. And, and let me just say this. If you're new with us, um, wherever you might be, like I know we got people watching in Ainer, we got people watching in, in, in Conway, online, wherever you might be, if you're new with us, thank you. Because I, I know it's, it's a big deal to go to church for the first time. Uh, at a new location. So, so if whatever brought you here today, however you found yourself today, man, I'm glad you're here. And we really want you to get connected. Uh, use a connect corner or one of our connect tents because uh, we'd love just to connect with you a little bit further. All right. And let me know, let me say this, that, that you're here at a perfect time. Uh, we're actually starting a brand new series that comes straight out of our quest book. So if you've been on the quest journey, I, I want you to know this for the next several weeks, we're just going to be going week by week through the quest. So there's a bunch of you that grabbed it and you're tracking along with us and you're going to be like, yes, this is awesome. There's some of you who grabbed the book. You haven't been using it. Now's a perfect time to jump in. We're going to be on week 16 and I just want you to dive in with us and each week we're going to be doing it. Um, and, and there's some of you are like, what in the world's quest? We'll stop by the Connect Corner. We've got a free book for you. Don't try to start at week one. Just jump in at week 16 and journey with us as we go on a quest to find what matters. And what we're going to be doing in this series is, is as we go through it, we're going to be looking at the miracles of Jesus. So, so maybe, maybe a great way for me to say it is, have you ever been looking for a miracle? Right? Like, raise your hand if, if you've ever looked for a miracle, right? Like most of us, we, we've all done it, right? Like some of you looked for the miracle on the day that you asked the girl out on a date. That you knew that it would take a miracle for her to say yes, all right? Uh, some of you, you're looking for a miracle right now because you're getting towards the end uh, of, the, of your spring semester, which means there's some papers due and some finals coming. And some of you, you've put 20 minutes into a paper and you're just like, I need a miracle type grade. Some of you, you've got a final coming. You're like, there's no chance. I need a miracle. Uh, maybe you've needed a miracle kind of like me, where you've been driving down the road and, and you saw the police officer and you hit your brakes after you saw them and, and you're looking for a miracle there. Like, like, like we've all done it. So, so I want us to talk about it. Now, honestly, right now in our culture, this idea of miracles, it, it's kind of a big topic. Uh, people talk about it all the time. There's a lot of songs about it. So let's come to a better understanding of a miracle. Like before we even dive in and look at our first miracle, let's come to a better understanding of miracles. And, and if I want to do this, I, I want to do it like I, like if I was writing an article in a newspaper. Uh, like when I was in the military, my degree, my MOS, what I was trained for 
was journalism. Uh, it was a lot of uh, uh, broadcast journalism, a lot of photojournalism, and then a ton of print journalism. Uh, so I had to learn how to write news articles. And in a news article, uh, where, where you're not trying to write an editorial, but you're just trying to lay out the facts, you always start with the who, what, where, when, why. You, you always start with the, the W and the H, right? Who, what, when, where, why, and how. You answer those questions. So when it comes to a miracle, before we even start into looking at a miracle, we need to come to a better understanding of miracles. Like, like maybe the, the way I would like to start is I'd like to ask this question of what is a miracle? I mean, like, like think about it. What is a miracle? Like how would you define a miracle? Well, if you were to go to the dictionary, here's what the dictionary would say. A dictionary would say, a miracle is an extraordinarily, extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Right? Big language there. So, so big, I stuttered over it all if you didn't notice. So. Uh, another definition would be extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing, or accomplishment. Well, like, like that's what the dictionary would say is a miracle. Let me kind of put it in simple language. I would say a miracle is simply when God intervenes. Like, like can, we just, can we just say it that simple? That, that a miracle is when God intervenes. And, and there's times in our life we say, well, that was a miracle, right? Well, well maybe God didn't intervene there. I had somebody tell me one time I was hard up on cash. I needed something and a credit card uh, application came in the mail. It was a miracle of God. No, that was the postman. All right, that's not an intervention of God. All right, a miracle, a real miracle is when God intervenes. Okay, so, so that's what a miracle is. Well, well, who does a miracle? Okay, if a miracle, if we're going to at least define a miracle as anytime God intervenes, well, then, then let's ask this, who does a miracle? And, and, and I want to pause here for a second, okay? Because there's a lot of times that, that miracles get confusing here. Uh, you've, you've heard churches say we're having a healing service. Uh, you've, you've seen uh, miracle workers. Uh, one time I was on the mission field in South America with a guy who used to be the personal assistant of Benny Hinn. And he told me some stories about Benny Hinn and Benny Hinn being the, the miracle worker, all right? And, and I'm not here to, to talk bad about anybody else, but, but I wanna be very clear here at The Rock what we mean by who does miracles, okay? Because I just need you to know, I can't do a miracle, nor do I believe anybody else in this room does miracles, okay? That we perform them by our own hands. Again, remember, what is a miracle? It's God's intervention. So who does the miracle? Well, who does the miracle has to be God. If miracles is when God intervenes, only God can do the miracle, right? Like, like, like it says this in Psalm 77, verse 14. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples, all right? So here's what it means. 
That as a church, we're going to pray for miracles. We're going to pray for God's, God's intervention. We're going to pray that God shows up. I will pray over people like crazy. Our prayer counselors will pray over people like crazy. We'll pray for a baby to be in the womb. We'll pray for the healing of cancer. And we will ask God. But I just want you to know, in the laying on of our hands, there is nothing, no miraculous power here. All the power when it comes to miracles comes from God. What is a miracle? Divine intervention. Who does the miracle? God. Why do miracles happen? Like, like why? Why would God still do miracles today? Why would miracles happen in our midst? Well, I'm gonna say it two simple ways. I'll throw it on the board for you. The first one is to bring glory to God. That every miracle you see is to bring glory to God. If it's a miracle in somebody's life, it's not just to help them, it's to bring glory to God. That, that the miracles we find in, in scripture from Old Testament to New Testament is to bring glory to God, all right? Uh, that, that miracles are designed to bring glory to God and there's one other thing they do and it's this. They are, they are a sign, a wonder, or a display of God's power, okay? So a miracle is a sign, wonder, or display of God's power to give proof of God or his people. It's to give proof of God or his people slash messengers. And, and here's what I mean by that. That you could go back to the plagues of Israel and all the miracles that happened there. That was to give God glory and to give proof of God and proof of his messengers, Moses and Aaron. That you can go to the miracles of Jesus. It was to bring glory to God and to give proof of Jesus' testimony. That you could go to the disciples, the apostles in the book of Acts and the miracles they performed. It was to bring glory to God and proof of their message. Why do miracles happen? To give glory to God or proof of God's existence, his power uh, uh, towards him or in us. And then there's the last one. And the last one is when do miracles happen? Like when? You know, sadly, I was taught in college that miracles ended back uh, shortly after Jesus. That's what I was taught. That I went to a Christian university, got my Bible degree and all that. But one of the things they talked about miracles is they said that once the canon, the Bible came into existence, that miracles no longer existed. So, so I lived the first few years of my life going, no, miracles can't happen, miracles can't happen. And then I came to a better understanding of miracles as miracles are performed by God for his glory to give proof of his message. And I believe those things haven't stopped. So this is what I would say is miracles still happen daily, daily. Because every time one of us gives our life to Jesus, that's a miracle because that's God's divine intervention. Every time you, you drop that addiction, you say no to sin and you ask God to come in, that's divine intervention. So what I believe is God does miracles daily, daily, which means God can do a miracle in your life right now.
And that's why we want to study miracles for the next several weeks. And the first one that we're going to talk about today is the, what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And it's a miracle of God showing up. And the way I'd like to dig into that is I'm actually going to ask Scott to come up in Aner and Clay to come up at Conway and, and us talk more about miracles when it comes to the miracle of the transfiguration. See, I think that little section was really helpful because miracles are such a big subject. So that was a great understanding baseline of what miracles are. But now what I want to do is kind of go into the baseline of how miracles actually happen and how they're actually played out and what they look like when they occur. Because if you look at miracles, I kind of think there's three baseline things that occur with every miracle that you can see but also apply to your own life as well. And like we said, we're gonna go through the transfiguration. It is a great story. It's one that I've wrestled with for a long time. We talked about it in Kids Rock uh, this weekend as well. So you can talk about it with your kids once you pick them up. So a lot of great things here. And the three baseline things, the first one is God intervenes. Some we've kind of heard already. It's a common thread of the language that we're gonna be using, but God intervenes. And the story of the transfiguration happens in Mark 9, uh, verses 1 and 2 is where we're going to start. And it says uh, this. It says, Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. And I just want to pause there for, for a moment, because this is important to catch. Jesus is taking Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John were kind of like the inner circle of the disciples. These were his key dudes. This is the guys that he was closest with. These are the guys that he invested the most in. Like, these are the guys that he really, really, really did life with. So he's bringing them together, and what they're doing is he led them up a high mountain to be alone. They're going to a place where God can intervene, and this was a time, this was a need for them at the moment because they were in a difficult spot. There was a lot of crazy, difficult, uh, big things happening in their life. For example, just a little bit before this, in the context of this story, Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah. That was a big deal. Just a little bit before this, Jesus predicted his death. That's a big deal. Just a little bit before this, the Pharisees were really angry at Jesus. That's a really big deal because the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the area. So you have all of these different things stacking on each other. And what's happening is this inner circle needs a greater understanding of who Jesus is because they are confused about what's going on in life. Because right now, the place that they are in, the life that they're living, the moments that they're experiencing, it's led to a place of confusion, of explosion, of expectation, and they're just going, what's gonna happen next? And they feel lost, they feel confused, and what they're looking for is a greater understanding of who Jesus is. And I think that's something that we can connect to as well. Because in our lives, there's a lot of big events that happen. Some good, like God calling us to go and do something, but a lot of times there's a bad things that happen in our life. Maybe you lost your job unexpectedly. 
maybe suddenly out of nowhere a relationship is on the rocks. I know for us as a staff and a lot of leaders in our church, uh, we lost a really good friend last night out of nowhere and it hurts and it's a struggle and our hearts are broken because of it and we're sitting here going, we need a greater understanding of who Jesus is in this moment of pain. See, these are things that occur in our lives and the way we get a greater understanding of who Jesus is is by God intervening in our lives. And the great thing about God is when we ask God to show up, he shows up. Because we have a God who is a present God. Because he loves us, he cares for us, and we matter to him. So when we ask God to show up, he shows up. And that's what's occurring in this moment. Jesus takes his inner circle, he takes these three guys to go up on this mountain and pray. They're asking God to show up in their lives. And I gotta say this, prayer is a great kickoff for a miracle. Now it doesn't mean what you pray for is gonna be what you get, it doesn't necessarily work like that. And God might not show up in the way that you expect him to show up, but when you pray, what you were doing is you were beginning to have a conversation with God and you were opening the door for God to intervene in your life. And in this situation, Jesus and his three guys, they go up on this mountain to pray, to be alone, to get away, to allow God to intervene. They're saying, God, come up, show up in our lives. And as God intervenes, the disciples, they get a greater understanding of who Jesus is. And their understanding quickly becomes, Jesus isn't just a guy. Jesus is God. Because while he intervenes, one other thing that God does is God transforms. God intervenes and God transforms. This next part of this scripture, it says this in verses two through four. It says, as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. See, at this moment, Jesus goes from a, a regular guy and all of a sudden, everything about him changes. Like, I don't know if this looks like Cinderella in the ball. I have no clue how this transformation looks. But what I do know is it is bright, it is white, it is glowing. And what is happening is uh, the inner circle, these three guys, they are seeing who Jesus truly is and that is God. And they are seeing him in his glory and they're seeing him as something different. This is a massive moment. It's a sign of who he is. He transformed himself. But then something crazy happens. It says, then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. I don't know if you know history. I don't know if you know church history. I don't know if you know Christian history. It's okay if you don't. We're all learning this together, right? But here's the thing to know about Elijah and Moses. At this point, they weren't just like dead. They were like super dead. Like dead for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Like dead for a really long time. And all of a sudden, they're hanging out. Life's good. And then all of a sudden, you got these ghost versions of Moses and Elijah showing up. And at this point, it would be pretty easy to be freaked out, right? Like I've sat here. I've read this story maybe like a hundred times in my life. I read it a lot in my life. 
And I've been trying to figure it out. And I, I try to picture and imagine this moment. And as someone that grew up in the 90s, and I watched the original trilogy of Star Wars over and over and over and over and over and over again on VHS, I wore that tape out. And then I watched the, the prequel trilogy when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten. when those movies started to come out. I imagine this story, I try to picture it, and every single time, no matter how hard I try not to picture it this way, the only way that I could see Moses, Elijah, and Jesus hanging out is, is like this from the original trilogy of Star Wars. Now, I just, I, I can't help it, but here's the funny thing about this, this picture, like, as I was thinking about this, I mean, this is crazy, like, this is weird, like, I try to picture it something different, but this is what I get. You have Anakin, who really is Darth Vader, um, and he has a lot of anger. Who else had a lot of anger in this story? Moses. Moses, if you look throughout his life, was an angry guy. You got Obi-Wan, who was like the mentor. You know, Elijah, he had Elisha, he was the mentor. So you have these two characters, and obviously that means Yoda is Jesus, right? Like, like this is scriptural application going on right now in Star Wars. But the point is, all this, there's something crazy going on. No matter how you imagine it, no matter how you picture it, this is a pretty crazy moment, but it's a really important moment. Because that's something we were talking about as a, as a teaching team, as trying to figure out like, what, how do we want to communicate this. One thing that was brought to our attention was that while this moment of God intervening and God transforming was for Peter, James, and John, there's a really good chance that this moment was just as much for Jesus as it was for them. And the reason why is just before this, Jesus had predicted his death. Jesus said, this is how I'm gonna die. And if you were Jesus and you knew that how you were going to die in that way, chances are you'd be pretty shaky. And if we know Jesus, we know that he's fully God and he's fully man at this point. And at this point, you have to imagine that he has a lot of different emotions going on. You have to imagine he's feeling kind of shaky. You gotta got imagine, yes, he's willing to die on the cross for all of us, but... I mean, no one wants to do that, right? No one wants to go through that pain. No one wants to go through that hurt, but he was willing to. Yet, at the same time, I have to imagine all these different emotions going on, and God sends Moses and Elijah. And I picture as they're talking that they're giving him words of encouragement. They're giving him words of wisdom, telling him that he can do this, that he can pull this off. And while... Yes, Jesus just showed that he was fully God. For the fully man part of Jesus, I have to imagine that this was a moment of growth for him that pushed him forward in his walk and helped him accomplish the mission of dying on the cross for all of us. This is a big moment for him. And it was a big moment for the other guys too. And Peter, he's watching all this from afar and he's, he's a little confused. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And Peter, he does something that he does way too often, which is say something dumb, which we all do, right? And it's because he doesn't know how to respond to the miracle. He doesn't know how to respond to the transformation. And here's what he says. He says this in uh, Mark 9, 5, 6. says, Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I'm gonna pause right here for that one. 
This is a bad move by Peter. This is a bad thing to say because just previously in the previous chapter, Peter claimed that Jesus was the Messiah. And now he sees this crazy miracle, this crazy transformation happen. And what does he do? He puts Jesus, Moses, and Elijah all on the same level. He witnessed Jesus' transformation, but it didn't transform his view of Jesus in that moment. And then, if you take it a step further, it said, he said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. The other thing he did was he was trying to kind of just sit in the moment and not actually go and do anything out of the moment. Tyler, one of our pastors, uh, he's communicating at Coastal tonight, and we were just talking about this. And um, he said this, and I thought it was so good. He said, the point of the miracle isn't to just sit in it. And that's what Peter was trying to do. He was just trying to sit in it in this moment. It's to see God transform and in turn transform your life into something bigger. You see, Peter, his view of Jesus wasn't transformed in the moment. And his life application out of it wasn't transformed either. Way too often, we see a miracle of Jesus. We see a momentary movement of God. And we, we, we see a movement of God and we, we just make it a momentary thing. Where we say something and then we just move on. Or we just want to sit there and just revel on it. And we don't actually go and let it transform us. See, this is a really big deal. The fact that Jesus transformed in front of them should have transformed their lives. And as we'll see later, it, it ends up doing that. But we've been talking about this in Kids Rock all day today. The idea that Jesus can do miracles, and the reason we've been talking about it this way in Kids Rock today is because Jesus, in this moment, the transfiguration, he showed that he was God, which means that he can do miracles. And when you recognize that Jesus can do miracles, that should transform and change your life and cause you to go and do things differently. Because you'll see Jesus as different. And if you look at your life, you look at the miracles that occur, if you look at any miracle that ever happens, we see Jesus transform something. It might be a life, it might be a soul, it might be a mindset, I could go on and on. But Jesus, when he transforms, it should cause us to change things. Which then allows us to do the third thing, which is testify. God intervenes, God transforms, and God testifies. Mark 9, 7, it says this. So then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son. I wanna pause right here. Because what this is saying, this is God saying, this is Jesus, and Jesus is God. He is my son. He's not just a man. He is God. And then it says, listen to him. Which is so fascinating to me because like if, if, if I'm in that situation, I see two ghosts or whatever they look like pop up. I see Jesus completely transform as God. I hear a voice from a cloud. I don't care what that person's saying next. I'm listening to them, right? I'm not gonna defy them. I'm not gonna do anything different. I am locked into whatever they say because I am not gonna mess with that person. There's a lot of times in life when it comes to miracles we see the miracle, and we don't listen to what God is trying to communicate to us in that moment. God's trying to communicate with us all the time. God's trying to communicate to us that, that he 
is in charge, that he should be glorified, that he is changing things, that he cares about us, that he loves us. The focus is on him. God, first and foremost, should get the glory. And that's important for us to realize because far too often, we have a different mindset. And I just wanna say this for you, I wanna say this for myself as well. Uh, The miracle, it might involve you, but it's not about you. It might involve me, but it's not about me. It's about God. It's about his glory. It's about how he can change the world. And so when a miracle happens, it's not like, oh, look how Jesus can make my life better. When a miracle happens, it's like, oh, look how Jesus can serve me. No, out of a miracle, it's like, man, God is so good. Let me go and glorify and praise him for what he's done. It's taking the focus off of us and putting it on him. Another way I could say it is it's testifying who he is. Recognizing him as God. Then it says this in Mark 9, 8, 9. This is how this portion of the story wraps up. It says, suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. As they went back down the mountain, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. You know, this story, it wraps up. It kind of wraps up pretty quickly here. And it's almost like, okay, what's next? Well, for Peter, James, and John, they had God testify to them who Jesus was. It was shown to them. Now it was their turn to go and testify about who Jesus was to them. And if we see this in scripture, we see this in their lives, they were radically transformed because they had a greater understanding of who Jesus was after that. They understood who he was. They understood that he was God. They understood that he could perform miracles. They understood that there was something different about him and that they had to go and tell people all about him. You know, James, he, he died for his faith. Peter and John, though, they had a really interesting moment as writers that, that, that they kind of call back to this moment. John, John's interesting because like when we read the book of John, we, we don't think about it, the fact that it was written afterwards. So we have to think retroactively here a little bit. But John wrote this in John 1.14. It says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John was saying, I've seen it. I've seen it with my two eyes. I've seen it in my life. I was right there. I saw the glory of God. I saw him transform in front of me. It was a part of my life. Jesus was a part of my life, and Jesus is a part of my life. And Peter, Peter takes this one step forward. and says it really interesting. I love how Peter writes this. It says, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know, like, when, when people talk to you about who Jesus is, when I talk to you about who Jesus is, when we communicate from the stage, when we praise God from the stage, we aren't just making up clever stories. We aren't just trying to draw you in. We aren't just trying to tell you make-believe stuff. We are telling you real things that happened. These are not clever, made-up stories. These are life testimonies of what God has done. It says, we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. And then it says this, 
the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. When we see God move in our lives, when we see God intervene, when we see God transform, when we see God testify who Jesus is in our lives, that should give us great confidence in who Jesus is and how he can move in our lives and what he's done for each and every single one of us. So we could go to other people and say, hey, this is what's happened in my life. For John and for Peter, they were communicating, they were testifying what Jesus did in their life. And we can do the same. Because maybe you might be like me. Where I've always kind of felt like, man, I've never seen like, God do a crazy miracle. Like, I've never seen anything crazy. I've never seen something like I would, I would write about or I would, I would put on a TV show or anything like that. Like, I, I've never seen a crazy miracle of God. But as we know today, that a miracle is simply when God intervenes in our lives. There's been a whole lot of times God's done that for my life. Now, if I had to guess, you would say the same. And if you started looking at all the different ways that God's intervened in your life, and God's transformed in your life, and that God has testified in your life, you would see miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And you would be able to go up to people and say, look at what my God has done. I have a greater understanding of who Jesus is and I wanna share him with you. See, miracles are a thing that happens daily in our lives because God is showing up all the time. So with that, I wanna ask, who in here is looking for a miracle? I know I am. Maybe for you today, you're looking for God to intervene in your life. There's something that's going on. It might be a bad situation. It might be a good situation. But you're going, man, I don't know what to do. I don't want, know what's next. I need God to intervene so I can have a greater understanding of who Jesus is. Because I, I, I told you about us losing our friend. This is a great example. We need God to intervene in our lives. Maybe some of you, you need God to transform something in your life. Maybe you got a habit, an addiction, or something that you keep falling back into, or something you just can't get past. And what you need is God to transform you, transform your situation, transform the people around you so that you can follow him even greater and you can fully understand who he is. And what you need to do is just say, God, I need you to transform something in my life. Or maybe you're in here and you've kind of had those moments already, you've seen the miracle occur, maybe it's time for you to testify about what Jesus has done in your life. The miracles that he's performed, the way he has shown up, and there are people that you know that need to hear that story because there are people just like you that were in very similar situations that don't have the understanding that you do because they haven't seen it yet. And maybe the thing that you can do is you can help them understand more from what you understand. One of the things that we say all the time is that we want to respond. And I want us to respond this evening by asking God to intervene in our lives. There's like several ways that we can do this, and maybe for you for the first time today, is, is giving your life to Jesus. 
Maybe it's taking the step of baptism and transforming your life by going death to life, just like Jesus did. Maybe it's taking communion up here at the front and reminding yourself of what Jesus has done for us and what he's done on the cross. But here's what I know. We say all the time, we need to see God move, that we want to see God move, that we desire to see God move. But I got good news. God's been moving for a long time and he isn't stopping anytime soon because miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle is gonna keep happening because God is gonna keep intervening in all of our lives. So let's praise him for that. Jesus, thank you for the miracles that you perform. Lord, I pray that you intervene in our life. I pray that you move in our life. I pray that, that you transform what needs to be transformed. And Lord, whatever happens, Lord, that we can testify about who you are. Lord, we love you. Amen.